Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, December 15th, 5.27 a.m. Central Time. Grain markets are mixed this morning. Uh, Matt Bennett, you guys are having a big grain marketing shindig here in Nashville. First week in February. Uh, tell us about this. How can the people find out more? Yeah. So, you know, if they just go to agmarket.net, they can get the info. It's just right there front and center. You know, uh, between you and Mackenzie coming, we're, we're excited about, about uh, just doing a show. You know, I, you, people kind of get a look behind how things We're going to do a live together. podcast taping is what we're Absolutely. Do. There you go. And, and so, you know, we're going to have some fun with that. Of course, we've got uh, Dave Hightower has been there before. You know Dave well. He's obviously mm -hmm. a, a fantastic speaker. And then, of course, Dan Bozzi is right there in that same category. I think those two guys are uh, kind of uh, uh, two of the titans, in my opinion, of this uh, business over the last 20 years, but uh, plus years. But, uh, you know, Randy Dowdy's coming to give us a little different flavor, uh, which we, we're certainly excited about that. And, of course, uh, Eric Snodgrass. So that's the we've got in-house people that are fantastic as well but those are the ones that are not jsa or ag market uh, pretty excited about it right there like a mile north of tootsies so i mean where you're staying is going to be right in the heart of everything so you know if you come to nashville and don't attend any of our meetings i won't tell your wife uh you know but uh, I, I highly recommend you should come listen to some of the speakers we've got we're all going to be there, guys. Uh, check it out. Mackenzie, we've got some Brazilian weather stuff to start off with today. <clears throat> Key Brazilian soybean areas will remain mostly dry through the weekend. Abnormally warm temperatures and a lack of rain will result in further crop stress. Rain is slated to return by Tuesday next week. Central and northern areas are anticipated to see the best amounts through Christmas. The extended GFS introduces additional rainfall for some areas through the year end, but is likely unreliable. They're still pretty dry in Brazil, as I understand, Matt. I mean, if you look at any of the uh, soil moisture maps or the, the precip versus normal, everything's been below normal. But the market doesn't act like it. The market, you look at a soybean chart. We've just been sideways. Like this isn't it's not trading like a drought market, like not by any stretch. Yeah, and I don't know whether it was Eric that I saw this or where I saw, but uh, I saw fifty-two percent of the Brazilian soybean growing areas have had less than half the rainfall to date so far in their growing mm -hmm. season. Yeah, that's an incredible stat, you know. And so, uh, obviously, soybeans are made later in the year, but I mean, you got to have freaking pods to fill. So uh, this is a situation for sure to keep an eye on. Uh, with that being said, you know, if they turn off the, the last map that she showed, good Lord. I mean, if you end up with that kind of rainfall distribution and totals in the central to north part, that's the areas that need it the worst. And so, you know, um, I agree with you. I don't know that we've totally paid enough attention to it. At the same time, I think the market has gotten to the point where feel like people are crying wolf, you know, that we're not going to raise a crop. And then all of a sudden you end up, you know, in the U.S. with pretty rough conditions this last year, you know, in, in respectable yields. And so I think a lot of folks are just uh, slow to buy in. I mean, I think if you're significantly, uh, if, if you're just as dry as we are today, uh, whenever the calendar turns, I think that the, it will break out of that range. The weather forecast is if, if these rains hit as advertised, it's not that bad because Southern Brazil has been too wet and they're not going to be super wet there and you're going to catch the rains where you need them. This is supposed to start like Tuesday, Wednesday next week. Reuters ran a story yesterday about farmers facing a seed 
shortage because of replant. I just, I don't know how widespread that is. I'm sure there's some of it, um, but it's, I feel like a lot of the data is anecdotal, just like when we hear things about the the crop and the crop problems in the United States, like you've got to be careful what you pay attention to because the market again is just sideways. We've been back and forth in the same range since uh, July. And that's, uh, you know, in, in July, we didn't know we were going to have a Brazil weather issue or dry conditions, but here we are. So I don't know. Price action isn't great. It doesn't act like a drop market, I guess. Nope. Ethanol producers are anticipating a victory with sustainable aviation fuel credits. The Biden administration is expected to approve the GREET model for use by companies looking to receive SAF tax credits. The model would allow ethanol-based SAF to qualify for tax credits. The administration, however, is expected to announce that it will update the GREET methodology by March 1st. It's unclear how the modification will impact the use of corn-based ethanol although the administration is expected to tighten regulations around SAF feedstocks. This isn't official yet, but Reuters is typically excellent with their reporting. And uh, I would imagine that this is true. So this is a big, this is a big win for ethanol. We're going to need it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the ethanol industry, you know, obviously is mature to say the least. And so uh, with that being the case, uh, you know, I don't see extreme growth. Uh, I don't see any growth actually without something like this kind of entering the mix. You know, we've uh, dabbled with, you know, 12%, 15%. I mean, politically, we can't ever seem to get something like that to occur. But you come in here and you ask these airlines to be net neutral, uh, carbon neutral, whatever it is by yeah. 2050, there's no question they're going to have to have cleaner burning fuel. Uh, you SAF enters the discussion, you know, where I, I believe in 22, we actually produced 80 million gallons. And so, uh, you know, it's an industry that has actually been trying to build out. It's just not quite as far along in its, uh, uh, I mean, it's still in its infancy. And so, you know, it's not as far along as, as renewable, for instance, but I think that the growth potential is significantly larger uh, than renewable, the way that I look at the usage as far as gallons, because I think the airline industry last year, just in the U.S. was 1,300 million gallons. So that's that's an incredible amount of fuel that we could end up having to uh, put ethanol into the mix. We had a story a day or two ago, GE Aerospace is experimenting uh, a lot with SAF. Mackenzie, what was the stat? Like they they run like four out of every five jet airplanes. Three, three out of every four commercial, uh, jet, uh, commercial jet engines here in the US. This is happening. It's absolutely happening. It's just, it's gonna take a while, I think. Electric vehicle inventories are record high. Inventories on U.S. dealer lots are currently double what they were a year ago, with a 114-day supply on hand. Consumers have steered away from EVs due to their expensive cost and poor charging infrastructure. Ford announced this week that it will be reducing production of its signature EV pickup by half next year. GM is also planning to postpone production of some of its new EVs. A group of U.S. auto dealers sent a letter to President Biden last month requesting the administration reduce its EV mandates because of the large inventories. So you see some of this stuff, and, and absolutely, I think the peak enthusiasm in this cycle for EVs occurred like post-COVID, but we're still selling uh, more EVs. This is going to be there's gonna be more EV sales in 2023 than there uh, have ever been. So even though the inventories are up, and keep in mind, we had so, so much goofy stuff with COVID and supply chains the last few years. Yeah, inventories are up. Okay. When you look at the uh, top five selling cars in the United States, uh, there is still very much something women like about a pickup man. But uh, the Tesla Model Y is the fifth best-selling car in the United States this year. Isn't that crazy? 
It is crazy. You know, the thing about the pickup, you know, one of my buddies actually bought a, a Ford Lightning. This is in no way uh, trying to say anything bad. Interesting, though, he didn't enjoy it, didn't like his truck. Um, I told this story actually at a presentation this week, but the guy, um, you know, the guy bought it for upwards of 90 grand, I believe, is what he told <laughs> me. Uh, he wanted to trade it back in, and uh, dealership offered him uh, around 60, I believe. And so um, one of the guys in the crowd said, you know what, actually, I've got a Ford Lightning, I love my truck. And he wasn't defiant. He was just kind of, you know, he, he was just uh, having a conversation. And I said, Absolutely. I said, do you do any work with it? Because this guy was like trying to do haul stuff, you know, and yeah. it's not for that. You know, I mean, it's to say I'm driving an electric pickup at this point. I mean, is is, it, is that industry going to evolve? Absolutely. But, you know, uh, Tesla's been, in my opinion, at the forefront as far as electric vehicles have, are concerned. And I think as this industry tries to grow, it's certainly going to see some growing pains. And I think some of this has maybe not been uh, up snuff, if you will. Uh, and I don't, I mean, again, I'm not throwing any shade at Ford Light. I think that it, it's great for some people and they love it. It's just a matter of what are you going to do with it? Tesla's cost structure is better than everybody else's and they've been able to sell them cheaper. And that's why they're winning the race here. They get a ton of government money too. Um, Tesla does subsidies because of uh, the way that they do things. But this is, I mean, it's just like, just like the SAF thing is happening. The EV thing is happening too. And, yeah. and because the EV thing is happening, we need the SAF thing to happen. So it's all... It's all kind of uh, moves together, I guess. Rain moved over Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas this morning. Amounts over the last 72 hours totaled up to two and a half inches in the Texas panhandle and areas further north. The rains are much needed as many of these areas remain drought stricken to some degree. Kansas rated the state's winter wheat crop at 39% good to excellent earlier this week in its final crop progress report of the year. These are still some drought, droughtish areas. Um, that panhandle area is kind of hit or miss in terms of uh, whether or not they're still in in a drought area. Matt, the the market, like the wheat market, in my experience, does not care about weather at all. Almost this time of year. No, not this time of year. Uh, you know, the thing is, it's winter time. Obviously, everything can change very rapidly with one big storm system rolling through. But as I told you before we got in here this morning, you know, I've been out quite a bit over the last two weeks. Every place that I've been has talked about how dry they are. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of fear about going into the winter with how dry the situation is. And, you know, what if we come in here this spring with zero subsoil moisture? So I was in Iowa this week, uh, two different places, about four hours apart. And I'll tell you, that uh, at both meetings it was something we talked about significantly afterwards uh, that they're drier than what they were at this time last year and it's no secret that last year the western corn belt was freaking dry as can be so I don't know. You know, I think that dryness is something uh, to certainly keep an eye on. But at the same time, I think that it could provide opportunity for us later on to uh, latch on to a little bit more profit margin. I just don't want to have our hands in our pockets just because we're dry at this time of year. We're a long way from the heart of the crop. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, interest rates falling on their face. So mortgage rates have declined for seven consecutive weeks. The average 30-year mortgage rate fell to 6.95% this week, down from 7.03% last week and its lowest level since August. A year ago, the average 30-year fixed rate was 6.3%. Rates peaked back in October at 7.8%. With the Fed forecasting rate cuts this coming year, housing experts are projecting mortgage rates to fall near or even below 6%. Since financing rates soared last summer, home sales have slowed to their lowest level in two decades. 
these treasury yields have fallen apart. I mean, you look at the 30-year, this is incredible. First of all, it's incredible volatility in interest rates. But to go from almost 5.2% down to 4 even in the course of like weeks in the 30-year treasury, I mean, that's crazy. So mortgage rates are coming down. Borrowing rates are coming down. Um, let me tell you something, guys. I, you you look more at the CPI data. You look more at at what the, the Fed has said. Um, the doomers and, and recessionists, they lost this round. They're, they're done. It's they're done. Uh, you look at CPI, and uh, this is some super interesting stuff. Um, the one component that is keeping inflation uh, elevated is shelter, which is like rents and stuff like that. But everybody who uh, knows more about this than I do will say that the uh, the shelter data lags very much so. The government data says that rents are like um, – 70% of the total increase in CPI and that uh, they're up 7%. But the private sector data says that rents are only up 1% to 2%. So if, the, if they use the private sector data for rents, we w actually would have had deflation the last two months. So uh, the Fed, I, I don't know if there was ever going to be a landing. Everybody's going to argue about this forever. But I mean, I don't know if I can say there's a recession here given what's going on. Yeah, probably not. I mean, one it, this is certainly music to a lot of folks' ears uh, to see uh, interest rates backing off, mortgage rates, if you will. But I'll tell you one place rent's not cheap, Joe, and that's down there by you. I've got a daughter no, that's going to go to it's school uh, close to Nashville. It, we're trying to find an apartment, and literally it's hard to find a one- to two-bedroom apartment for less than sixteen, eighteen hundred dollars $1,800. Yeah, I mean, no, it's, it's insane. unbelievable what it costs down there. But you know, I would say mortgage rates. It's 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 a fantastic development because while we made a lot of money as a ag sector in 21 and 22, it's no secret that 23, there wasn't a whole lot of cash made by people. I mean, liquidity, I think, maybe tightened down just a shade. Mm -hmm. uh, corn was a definite struggle for a lot of people. You know, and so I think people were very concerned about what kind of money they were going to have to borrow against uh, here this next year. I just wonder, uh, so the rates are already starting to drop. I wonder what sort of impact this has on things like residential real estate, farmland. Uh, none of those things really came down very much when the rates went up. So what, what do they do? What do they do now with the rates going lower? That's a really tough question. I mean, the farmland hasn't slowed down one bit. No. You know, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Okay. So in our part of the world, you know, we had 400 and some acres, um, I think 480 acres sell here a couple weeks ago. 21.5, I believe, was the average. Mm -hmm. And people said, well, it's 1031 money. And it was. It was 1031 money. But heck, Joe, every auction I've been to has a second bidder out. You know, I don't know who the second bidder out was. And I'm assuming there was more than just two guys going at it. So uh, bottom line is there's some money floating around, significant money floating around still. And I got to think most of these huge, uh, huge number type sales are not finance ground. So well, people are people are running into the stock market. People are running into precious metals. They're going to run into real estate, too. I mean, there's a lot of cash on the sidelines and now the rates are down. I mean, it's this could I wonder if you could get a reinflation type deal because of this. You just like if they cut like people think they're going to cut, you know. I'm thinking that you could. The other thing I'll say about farm ground, Joe, like, so for instance, let's say you buy ground for, you know, let's say 21.5, you know, even with, that, with, with, uh, with the way that this market's acting, uh, can you get the kind of rate return that you can get guaranteed in other parts of the market with farm ground? You know, obviously, no, not, not, not with not that in the vacuum, close. but, but it's, not, but whoever's buying that, that's not their first piece of farm ground. I so, agree. I that, agree. And, and if it's 1031 money, yeah. they're, they're, they're getting away from taxes. Right. Yeah. And so that, that has to factor in, but if you're not doing it on 1031, holy smokes, you know, you, you could throw that in a money market and get what, 1200 bucks an acre for, uh, you know, yeah. you're not going to rent it for that. 
I mean, I still it, take the ground over the government piece I of paper, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Pen, yeah. It doesn't pencil though. No, not no. In, not in a vacuum. It doesn't. All right, export sales. U.S. corn ex <clears throat> excuse me. U.S. corn export sales improved last week. Net corn sales: the 56 million bushels were up 10 percent from the previous week, but down 12 percent from the prior four-week average. Mexico was the largest buyer for the week. Net soybean sales of 40 million bushels were down 23 percent from the previous week and 46 percent from the prior four-week average. China was the largest soybean buyer. Fueled by recent flash sales, net wheat sales were strong last week, totaling 1.5 million metric tons. Uh, the print was a marketing year high and up noticeably from the previous week and from the prior four-week average. China was the largest wheat buyer for the week. I don't say this very often, but SRW Wheat is the star of the show. <laughs> and everyone says, I'm not just going to say everyone, several people said China's done buying wheat, you know. I was asked that several times here uh, over the last week or so. China's done buying wheat, right? I'm like, yeah. uh, well, I don't know. You know, if they said they are, I don't know that I would say that I believe. Them. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what I'd say too if I was going to go buy something of, of substantial value because what's going to happen whenever China says they're done buying something? You know, what's price action going to look like? Well, it's not good. You know, and so the, the price I mean, action the, could have been better, though. I mean, given. Like, I agree. This is so you're actually we're to a point now where uh, all wheat sales are finally above last year's pace, which right. so we're so now we're the ninth worst out of the last 10 years. But uh, this is it, <laughs> it's a good worst. I, I hope they come and buy corn. I mean, that would be great. Yeah, that's what we think they will. We had another flash sale yesterday. U.S. exporters sold 400,000 metric tons of soybeans to unknown destinations for delivery during the current marketing year. The U.S. soybean export book is running 20% 20, 20 below the same period last year as of yesterday. How many of these uh, sales to unknown destinations, how many of these get canceled, Matt? I think that far too many of them do. And I think that's the reason why you see so many of these unknowns lately, because who do you think it might be? You well, know, we I think we all know who it is and who it is is saying, hold on a second. Uh, is, is Brazil going to get rain or they're not going to get rain? Because if they're going to get rain, uh, we're going to cancel and replace. It's uh, contingent. It's contingent it's just, on the weather. That's absolutely, what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. They did the same thing with corn last year. That was in the spring that China bought a bunch of corn and then they canceled it. Yep. It's, it was a hedge. Absolutely. Just a hedge of their risk. And that's what's going on because you know as well as I do, Joe, that if, if Brazil's sub 150 uh, or 163, those are two different price directions. I'm not saying it's vastly different, but there's no question in your mind or my mind that if they get below 150, you're going to see some very supportive action in this market. Uh, whereas if, if, if they get quite a bit of rain over the next two to three weeks and then you end up with a 162, 163, Good luck getting a rally, you know, and so uh, China knows that they're not dumb. Yeah. Uh, what did cattle do yesterday? They bounced back. Um, feeder cattle futures closed an average of $2.09 higher. Live cattle futures closed an average of $0.65 cents higher. Cash cattle trade hasn't really taken off this week, but hopefully we can hold it steady, if not get a little bit higher. Choice box beef ended the day yesterday at $2.92.32. That was up $0.68. Cents. Select ended the day at $2.58.26. That was down $0.95. Cents. Is the cattle bottom in, Matt? I believe that it is. I talked to a guy. Don't catch the try to catch the falling knife, man. Uh, yeah, I talked to a guy in Iowa this week that uh, his neighbor bought seven weight cattle for uh, three bucks plus uh, on feeders, and I'm like, what? <laughs> After what we just went through, but I think that you're seeing maybe a few people get more. 
I, I guess, uh, a little more confidence towards hopping back in this thing. Uh, I would be buying him there. And I'm not saying that uh, he's dumb by any means. It's just I don't have any desire. I just feel like when you look at chart action, to me, uh, I I think that we're we probably at the low end. And the other thing is, a, in my opinion, you know, we've pulled these cattle forward, and I got to think that sometime in 24, you're susceptible uh, to cattle on feed going below 100%, okay? So I don't, whenever that happens, I think the move to sub-100, uh, from sub-100 to sub-90 is going to happen rapidly. And I'm talking like two cattle on feed reports, maybe three. And when that happens, I think people are going to say, okay, it's on again. So I don't the know most, you go the to most bullish, but it's going to rally. The most bullish reports are yet to come absolutely absolutely and i think there'll be some of the most bullish reports some of us have ever seen in our careers yeah this next report there's some analysts that are expecting placements to be down 10 percent. now i'm not talking cattle on feed but placements and uh that's a big drop so i think it's yeah i think we could say see it in the next six months easily these incredibly bullish cattle on feed reports right Right. i'm not saying it's going to happen now okay but i i i've been saying you get out to june uh, May, June, July timeframe. Now you're starting to teeter on this cattle on feed report could be a banger, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I feel strongly that that that'll happen sometime in 24. So I think some folks are saying, Hey, I don't want to get super short in here because this thing could happen quicker. Uh, I don't want to get uh, placed in a wrong situation. We all know that the funds puked. Uh, I do think the funds will be back in buying this thing probably over the next two, three, four months. And I think they're going to want to build a long position into those reports. All right, perma bulls, have fun with that. Uh, I actually, <laughs> I, I actually agree. I, I don't disagree with anything you guys said. Uh, outside markets on Friday, guys, U.S. dollars up a little bit. Still a bid for risk assets here. Stocks are up. Uh, S and P's up thirteen. The Dow's up a hundred. Bonds up a little bit. Uh, crude oil is trading what up thirty four cents, seventy one ninety two. Everybody have a great weekend. Uh, we'll talk to you on Monday.